Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, in fact, we're going to talk about how to recruit top salespeople. And we're going to find out how to do it from Jason Forrest, who's the CEO and creator behind the training content and recruiting methodology of FPG. His warrior selling and leadership sales coaching programs are ranked in the top two of the world's top sales development programs on the planet by global gurus. His provocative style of speaking, his truth ranks him as number five in, uh, on the global sales guru list. Jason is also a master practitioner of the neuro-linguistic programming, which is the science of influence and behavioral change. He's also a, per, a practitioner in accelerated evolution, which is the psychology of removing fear in high producers. Jason's on a mission to teach the mindset, process, and language of a sales warrior. Jason, it's great to have you on the program today. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Let's, my let's talk about my favorite subject in the world, which is sales. My favorite subject. Really? I can't imagine how that would fit in with your business. But tell me, who uh, do you serve and who's the exhaustive list? I know it's a big universe uh sure so currently as of the last time we checked which was several months ago we were we're in 42 different industries both b to b and b to c and we also proudly serve our country by training the united states army recruiters the recruiters called on us last year they were struggling to hit their recruitment mission so recruitment mission means a goal like a quota so salespeople have quotas and the army they would call it a mission and so they're failing to achieve that. That's obviously a big problem and a threat to national defense. And so they brought us on, big success story in our first pilot. We doubled the performance, 108% performance over 90 days. We were able to make an effective recruiter in 13 weeks versus it takes the United States Army 13 months to make an effective recruiter. Effective making, meaning they're making their quota. And we're able to do that with 240 something less applications or sits. So think of it as, think of it as we were able to basically double their performance with way less prospects, way less leads than the other people that were doing that. But my greatest, uh, most proud achievement is that anyone who was on the suicide watch list, we took off the suicide watch list during the training. And there's some psychology reasons for that. But again, my background's in helping people not just speak better, not just do better things, more effective strategies, but also think better. And if human beings have too much anxiety around what we're asking them to do, then they go through different coping mechanisms like drinking or drugs, et cetera. So we really did some really cool things with them. I, I know, because I used to have about 145 sales guys working for me. I know there's a lot of problems that they have. So could you go through maybe the top five barriers, problems that you and your organization adjacent can solve for people? Sure. So really what I say is there, there's four things, four ingredients I'm always looking yeah. for whenever I work with a sales team. So the first is we need to make sure that we're hiring what we call coachable gumps. So my last name is Forrest. So think of Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run, right? Uh, so yeah. we, we need to hire coachable gumps. 
So coachable in the sense of salespeople that are flexible, they're adaptable. Uh, if we give them new direction based upon the market challenges, they're like, yes, sir, I will try that and report back. We don't have time for these salespeople that we have to sell on why we're doing this initiative and why this should work. It just, we don't have time for that. So that's coachable. G is for the gum. So G is goal oriented. So this is the person who's self-initiated, maintained. They're the ones who can easily say, hey, Bill, here's my prospects of the week. Here's my forecast. Here's my strategy. Here's my next step. Here's what I'm going to do to make this happen. And so we can count on their goal directiveness. U stands for unleashed. So unleashed of their, their stories, their self-image, their reluctances, their fears, their excuses. So they really are sales responsible. And then M is the motivation. So motivation is the psychological drive to continue to prospect. And then P is procedural based. And that means that they've got a, a, a meta pattern in their brain that allows them to follow a procedure versus kind of be all over the place. So that was long-winded, but first thing no. you must hire coachable gumps. Number two is you must have never ending consistent training. If you desire, that's I always say, these are the decisions you have to make as a company. If your decision is, we want to be branded as the best sales experience in our industry. You can't do that with a one-day seminar or a book. You have to have consistent, never-ending training that's constantly reminding them of the best practices in order to be excellent. If you want them to be excellent, you have to push them to be excellent. The third is you have to have managers that act more like Deion Sanders, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart of coaching. Most of the sales managers these days are more glorified admins. They spend more time doing paperwork and stuff like that. And they do actually like in the field, coaching, taking over deals, helping people sell, sell things. And then number four is you have to have a culture that decides that we want to be a sales and marketing organization that happens to sell blank, not a company that happens to have sales and marketing people. So I've never met a top organization out there. Think about it, Apple, uh, Tesla, you know, Virgin, there's not one out there that doesn't define themselves as a marketing or sales organization that happens to do blank. And so you have to really identify that as a cultural initiative. And you do those four things, then that really is the secret ingredient. We help people that are startups that do that. We help billion dollar companies like Kamatsu and Myers Plastic and BMC Lumber, the United States Army. So it, the formula is actually the same with all of them. It doesn't matter how big they are. Yeah. And I, I had a chance to look at your website and I know that you're not going to work with any old company, that you're going to filter them out. That was excellent. I like, I love that. Forrest, Jason, excuse me. Can you maybe think of another case study? Thanks for the one about the army recruiters and walk through, here's the company, here's their problem. Here's how we found them or they found us. And just kind of give us the soup to nuts solution that maybe is most typical the way you approach uh, solving the problem. Sure. So again, the, four, the nice thing about us at FPG is we can do so many things. So we're not just a training company. Uh, we are also a sales recruiting and sales leadership recruiting company. We're also a, a marketing legion service provider for organizations, mostly small companies that they're more kind of founder run. And they, I always say that the, the founder plateau is, the founder can't grow their company past their network. And they might go to a million to 5 million kind of with their own network, but they can't go past that. So we will come in there and build what's called a revenue operating system, which is how do we build like a client acquisition strategy to start making it grow past them. And then of course, that last thing we do, number four is fractional 
sales leadership, fractional sales coaching for companies who, again, don't currently have the overhead to, to pay for a sales manager. So I, I share that with you because we holistically can do all four things. We pretty much can cover any problem that a sales organization has because it always falls in one of those four buckets. They either, they either need like more, better leads, which you can solve that problem, or they need to convert those leads, or they need to execute on the promises that they made with those leads, or they need to expand on those leads, right? So they need to figure out a way to like sell them something different. And so that's really honestly what we address. So take again, Myers Plastic or Komatsu, big heavy machinery company. Those were both a good examples of going in and like on the Komatsu side, the typical thing is very typical is they had these national account managers and the national account managers were, they were buried with more customer service type account management, but yet their quota by the boss man was to, was to expand, was to, one of the, let's say one of their clients is Kuwait, right? Or some huge company. And their job was to go and say, Hey, you know, get them to stop buying from Caterpillar. And I know they, they, they buy X number of dozers from us a year, but I want to take all of Caterpillar's share and I want them to only use Komatsu. So I want you to expand on that relationship and sell more of what we can sell, right? And the problem is that structurally, they couldn't do it for several reasons. Number one, because they hired some people that were really good account managers, not good salespeople. That was probably number one. Number two is they really buried the account managers with, again, just too much customer service type stuff that they had to do, fulfilling out paperwork and taking care of orders and solving problems. And then they were figuring out, okay, now that we have this relationship, how can I leverage the trust that we've done with this client? And how can I then go penetrate and expand on that relationship with even more? So they didn't really give them time to go actually find ways to do that. Uh, and then number three is no one, they didn't know what to do. That. No one actually had taught them, here's how you expand a relationship. Here's how you leverage what you've already sold them so that you can come back to them and sell them more. So for example, if Bill, you were my client, I would say, hey, so when you first started working with us, you were a little skeptical about using Komatsu over Caterpillar. You've been with Caterpillar for 30 years. And, but you said, hey, yep, I'll give you guys a shot. And so I'm curious, the few reasons why people prefer Komatsu over Caterpillar, blank and blank, what's been your experience? Has that been one of the reasons that you've enjoyed the Komatsu machines and the relationship with us over Caterpillar? Or has there been something else? And you would say, no, actually, Jason's been really great. I really enjoy Komatsu. And you're right. You really are delivering on your promises of blank, blank, and blank. And there are some advantages of you over Caterpillar. And then I would say, Bill, what I'd like to do at this moment is if you've really enjoyed the relationship we've given you with this dozer over here or this whatever this is, I can't wait to talk to you about this other machine or these other machines and how they're also superior over the Caterpillar fleets that you're talking about. And so let's talk about those now. So what you're doing is you're leveraging the goodwill of the success that you gave them before, and you're going to leverage that and you're going to sell them something different. So that's a perfect example. And they, their sales skyrocketed. And that was actually during COVID when I helped that account, that client out. And that was during COVID too. Another problem they had that everyone can relate to is remember back in COVID days when all of the account sales started shutting down yeah. and they said, we can't sell, we can't sell this kind of stuff because we need to get on the plane and go sell it to them. And I was like, you don't need to do that. You're going to sell via Zoom. And, and they said, that's crazy. There's no way you can't sell it. You can't sell a machine. You can't sell a dozer over, over Zoom. Yeah. I said, why can you not? Anyway, so they had all these reluctances, all these limiting beliefs. And we showed them. We literally modeled for them. We showed them how they can 
use their iPhone to demonstrate the product they need to. They could obviously do screen shares, all kinds of things they could do to actually still sell the machine. And they did. And their, their sales skyrocketed probably faster than competitors like Bobcat and so forth because we were able to make them break their limiting beliefs faster to give them an advantage over the ones that were waiting for COVID to go away. That's a great case study. I can identify with that. Now, talking about limiting beliefs, I'm really curious, Jason, about who hires you because the, if you will, the head of sales at Komatsu, whatever, they're going to resist thinking that they don't know what the hell they're doing. So I'm curious about how you have, if you will, overcome this inertia that these organizations have, egos maybe it is. So is it, or am I, am I misimagining what's going on in that environment of yours? No, you're 100% correct. And so we actually are very transparent now. I've been doing this for 17 years and I'm, I, maybe I'm just getting, I don't know, frustrated with all of that kind of stuff and all those egos. So the way that we just stated is that, that uh, our vision is very simple. And that is that we want to have a hundred percent market share of organizations that want to have the best sales teams in their industry and want to be branded as having the best sales experience in their industry. And so if you desire excellence and you want to be branded as such, then we can really help you. And if, but if that's not your thing, then there's plenty of our competitors that I'm sure will do whatever you want them to do. So I've also surrendered to that. And what I, why I say that to you is that if you desire excellence, you also don't have an ego. Yes, very nicely said. You cannot have both. Now, I'm sorry, you might have an ego, you just don't have egotism, right? You you might have, you might be yeah. old and brave and be confident, but you're also going to take a learning mindset. No one ever tells me that I'm not, I always say all the time, there's nothing wrong with being arrogant as long as you can prove it, because then it's not arrogant. So I'm super confident and super bold, but I don't ever promise anything that I know for certain I cannot deliver on. So it also means there's plenty of things that I don't know. And so I'm always learning. I'm always, I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm always listening. I'm always finding someone that's doing something better than me. I'm always figuring it out, but I desire excellence. I love that your podcast is all about that because that's actually our theme this year at FPG and a new course that I created. So new core, I, I create new courses about every quarter or so, but a new course I created for our clients, it's called pursuing excellence in the sales experience. And the whole message around the course is what if you actually stopped worrying about being measured based on your sales results and you instead started focusing on being measured based on how many customers said, this has been the greatest sales experience of my life. What if that actually became the thing that you started being paid for? Then you would actually make unlimited sales. That's my belief. So the whole course is around that. It's a nine lesson course, nine weeks. And it's all around really that importance of lower the importance of the result. And instead raise your standard of what you say, do, and think about knowing the score will take care of itself. And I didn't come up with that concept. That's a great Bill Walsh came up with so many great sports coaches and so forth live by that philosophy. I just applied it basically in, into sales. But yeah, so the point is, yes. Are there people out there uh, that, that you're hundred percent correct with that would say our people are fine. Uh, we have nothing to learn. Yes, I just would say they're not my client. I, I had some the other day, just yesterday. Occasionally, I've got a sales team, but occasionally the overflow prospects come to me. And I was in a fight yesterday with a prospect because it was so frustrating that 
the, st the stuff she was sharing with me, I'm like, I cannot believe you're still thinking this way. And so we're a recruiting company and she wanted me to recruit a salesperson for her. And so I said, hey, what's really unique about our sales, our, our recruiting strategy is we'll find you a top salesperson fast because we use our neuro-linguistic programming, which is the science of how people, great people think, speak, and act. We're going to use that. We've, did, we've created uh, a formula to find these coachable gumps. We use third-party assessments to make sure they're correct. So we do all that. But then we also want to help them sell fast. And so we do that by creating a custom onboarding program using our Warrior Selling 90 program. And one of my fractional coaches is going to personally mentor them and work with that person every the week for 13 weeks. And she responds back to me. She goes, but I don't want you to find a person like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, because any great salesperson, don't they already know all those things? And aren't they like, why would they need all that stuff? And I go, I, well, I'm not going to say her name out loud. I almost said her name. But I said, look, I understand what you're saying. But that's like saying that, that's like saying that Tom Brady, when he went to go play for the Buccaneers, just literally missed practice and went right to the first game. Sure. Are they great in the sense they've got a good track record and what they've sold before? But they're not great at selling what you're wanting them to sell. And so we want to get them onboarded fast so they can sell for you fast. We want them to learn your plays. And our coaches can do that for them and help them do that. But if you don't do that, they might take six to nine months before they actually get traction. We want to make them effective. And again, in six weeks, just like we did with the Army. But that's the yes. kind of yesterday thinking that is so bad right now that I'm like, I cannot believe I'm literally trying to explain this to you right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. After all this time, we're having this kind of a conversation. Yeah. But look, uh, another piece of uh, a question I have is you are in an unbelievably competitive environment uh, with all sorts of sales oriented people out there. So how do you differentiate your company from all of those branded sales training organizations out there? Perfect. Easy. Five things. So number one is um, everything we do is customized to the unique customer, which we think is pretty cool. I We know that when it comes to the resistance of any off-the-shelf programs, all of our competitors out there are all off-the-shelf. So right. they have their framework. Ours is a 12-step framework, whatever theirs is. But they basically spend all this time trying to convince the customer to use their 12-step framework. What I do is we use one of my NLP script writers uh, will spend time with the client before we even start training the salespeople. And we'll interview them on, tell me your story. Tell me what makes you great. Tell me if people didn't choose you, who would they choose? Okay, let's talk through how to handle this objection. So we actually take them through experience, not, not long, three hours or so, where we can interview them enough. And then we take their message and then we put it into our framework. So then we turn it into them, to the boss, the CEO, the head of sales, whatever it is. And we go, so how is this? And they say, They'll either say, this is the greatest hits album of what my top 1% already say or do, or they'll say, there's parts of it that are even better. And, and, and that's our promise. Our brand promise is we will not touch your salespeople until you say, this is the greatest hits album of what my top people are already doing. Because that's what it is. The secret to selling success is just what are your top 10% already saying, doing, or thinking about? Let's just memorialize that. And then let's teach that to the other 90%. That's all it is. That's all we do. So so because, number one, we customize it, we remove all that resistance of this is stupid, this doesn't apply, this is not relevant. Number two, everything we do is program-based versus event-based. So we don't take anything less than six weeks of a, re a relationship. So six weeks is our minimum engagement because of behavioral change. Uh, number three is that number three is everything is experiential learning. So 
They're going to, they're going to practice something with real life customers. They're going to come back in our weekly, we call them dojo sessions over zoom, and we're going to sell through them. So our brand promise on our website is the 24 hours after our weekly accountability sessions will be the sales team's highest converting week, highest converting day of the week. That's number three. Number four okay, is let's, we let's, teach. Okay, let, let's yeah. have that last one again. That yeah. was so splendid. So let's make sure our listeners understood what you just said about the greatest, the best, most productive day of the week. What happens when and the timing of it. That was beautiful. Yeah. So again, so I'm, again, I'm just a contrarian, right? And so what I can't, I'm very, what I cannot stand is the bad reputation that people have on training. It's like, they just had this bad experience. And what they'll say is, man, that training, that's so much time and you're going to keep people out of the field and should they be selling? And I, and my comment back is the only reason why you even say what you just said is because you've had some sort of traumatic experience with past training. that was a huge waste of time for people. That's the only reason you say that you would not be born saying that. So, so I apologize on behalf of whatever bad sales training experience you had that did waste your people's time, but that's not what I created. I created training that is based upon the salesperson's real life challenges on that weekly basis. And we will tailor the calls for those experiences, those challenges. So they're going to bring their real life prospects and where they are in the sales cycle on those dojo sessions. And my team will work with them to make sure they feel mentally strong. They know, they know what the step is. They know what the next thing they're going to say is in order to move that sale forward. They're going to leave with all of that like real life execution plays. And they're going to go execute that, which means they're going to have the most successful 24 hours of their life after our calls. We have a lot of clients that push back on the weekly call and then they'll come back a month later and they'll go, oh, you're right, we add another one. And they'll literally add two a week for us because they love that immediate kind of boost in sales 24 hours after our calls. Excellent. Okay, so you, I, I cut you off in the middle of your list of differentiations. So you got a couple yeah. more differentiations. I think I got two more. Yeah. So number four is, number four is everything we do is, is again, it's around the mental toughness side. Remember, like I said before, there's three things we're always trying to focus on, and that is what do top people think about, what do they say, and what they do, right? So we're going to focus on that kind of mentality. What are, what are the leashes? What are the limiting beliefs? The fears? The anxieties? of a sales team executing what we're asking them to execute. And then I use my modalities like NLP and accelerated evolution to remove the fear of them taking action. So most people, especially if they've been a veteran for a long time, it's not that they don't know what to do. It's that they're just, they just have some sort of story in their head that's telling them it's going to, it's going to cause pain or it's not going to work. And so we basically just remove all that. And then the last thing that we do is uh, we give them the language of selling which I think is pretty cool because most salespeople, even if they've been doing it for a long time, have never been taught the language of selling. So think about this. We spend, we have to spend what, two years learning Spanish in high school or college, but no one ever teaches you the language of persuasion. No one ever teaches you an embedded suggestion or embedded question or, hey, here's a supposed close and here's the five reasons why a supposed close works from a hypnotic perspective. There's just there's a language of persuasion that is so effective. There's a language of empathy. There's language of truth. There's language of authority. And so we give them literally these languages that they can use. And it just changes their life because they leave with, again, now here's how to think about it differently and how to remove my anxiety around it. 
here's what to do in order to move the sale forward. And here's what questions to ask or what statements to make to move a sales force. So that's like the holy trinity of, of performance, that mindset process and language. Excellent. Let's talk about your business. How'd you get the idea to found your company? Walk us through the milestones that you've experienced over the last decade and a half or so, and, and what you learned going through your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So short story is I grew up in a very like selling family. My father owns a jewelry store in North Dallas still to this day. I'm 45. He's had it for 45 years and uh, he's in his eighties now. And so he's done that. Uh, so I grew up in that selling diamonds world. My mom was a debate coach and public and speaking coach for 50 years in the college level. So grew up in that kind of debate world. And then my Sunday school teacher was Zig Ziglar, which is super cool. So I had him I never knew I wanted to be a like a motivational speaker or a trainer or a speaker. I did enjoy going to Zig's Sunday school classes. And I always thought it was pretty cool how he was able to like, through his words, like influence positive change in hundreds of people with a 30 minute speech. Like that was a pretty cool thing, but I didn't really know I wanted to do that. But I always knew I wanted to be in sales and I was always in sales. And, and I was like the power of sales, of getting people to accomplish their goals and remove an area of their stuckness. That's what I always thought sales was. It's not manipulation. It's just, it could be the same techniques that we teach on how to do good work in life and how to help people get what they want is the same techniques that Bernie Madoff uses to manipulate people and con people. So the techniques are actually the same. It's just the intent is what changes the games. So anyway, so that was that. And then fast forward, do the whole sales thing, sales management thing. I was promoted into a national sales trainer position at a Fortune 500 company. And I only did that for a few years. And I realized that paradigms don't really shift from the inside out. And I got very frustrated with the things that I knew I needed to do, but I had to run it through HR and corporate. It was just very frustrating. So I, at that moment, I grew up in an entrepreneurial life with my dad. And so I just said, I'm taking the leap. And so that was actually in 2008 of all things. So I left in 2008. It's look. We all, we know the quote, right? Easy times create weak minds and yeah. times create strong minds. And, and that was a hard time for me, but I will tell you, I didn't actually even realize what I was in. Isn't that interesting? So like looking back on it, I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. But like, I did not, I didn't, I don't know. I, I was almost like ignorant to the whole thing because I would go literally knock on door, metaphorically knock on doors or call, build, call companies. Specifically back then it was home builders because home builders is what I knew really well. Since then it's expanded in all kinds of industries, but, and I would say, Hey, let's talk about sales training your people. And the companies would say training. We don't, we're not doing training right now. We could barely keep the lights on. We're about to go bankrupt in 2008 housing market. And I said, I said, but yeah, how are you going to help them overcome these price objections and all the stuff you're dealing with? They said, training is a luxury. It's not what we need right now. So again, they had been programmed the training was like the annual corporate event where everyone like walked on fire and yelled, I'm enough and I'm a badass or what, you know what I mean? It wasn't like how to teach them how to be better and overcome adversity tactically in the moment. And so I literally started my company in 2008 on month to month contracts. And I said to them, I said, look, I will work for free for the first 30 days. You're not even paying me a deposit. I'll work for free. If I can change your performance enough in 30 days, I ask that you pay the bill, whatever it was, 5,000 a month, 8,000, 10,000, whatever it was. If it doesn't, then you're not gonna pay me. And I can't probably get the money back from you because you're gonna go bankrupt anyway, and that'll be that. So I said, either way, you have nothing to lose and I have everything to lose or to risk. 
And I honestly started my company that way. Just completely, I believe in something that you don't believe in and I feel like I can help you and let's see if we can make it happen. And anyway, so that was that. Fast forward, learned a lot along the way about human beings. And one of my frustrations, I would say, as a company owner is we, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, we actually want the client to win more than they want to win. And it's pretty disheartening. Like it actually makes me like emotional sometimes. I'm like, I don't know how to convince these people to win more than I want them to win. It's very frustrating. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of victims out there, right? There's a lot of victims or a lot of people who they're asking for things to be easier. They're not asking for them to be better. And, but we're always trying to find someone who wants to be better and figure it out. And, and then again, we come across, again, some of the clients that we've had gross, great success with that, no, they actually want to be great just as much as we want them to be great. Right. And so that's been very nice, but I, I would just say this, and that is in my journey of a 17 year old business owner. Now, I would say that every year there is a new problem. Like I had a, an employee one time that asked me, he said, when are you ever going to slow down? I said, what do you mean? He's like, are always talking about like the next thing and the next goal and the next this, the next that. He's like, when is it ever just like enough? And I go, I don't know. I guess it's enough when I get bored. I don't know. It's enough when we desire that we don't want to be better than we are yesterday. That's when it's enough. But as soon as you, as soon as you declare, I'm not happy with where I'm at, then immediately you have a problem, which means you must go either solve the problem or you must agree that you want to lower your standards. That's basically your option in life, right? Yep. It's either I want more out of life, therefore I have a problem because I'm currently not thinking, doing, or saying the things that solving the problem I met. So I either need to go up level what I think, say, and do to solve that problem, or I need to lower my standards, which means the problem won't be there anymore. Like people that are, people that are making a couple thousand dollars a month, they don't have the problems that I have, right? That's right. If they wanted to make what I'm making, they would have a lot more problems. <laughs> so, or if I wanted to make what they're making, I wouldn't have as much problems because the problems are equal to what you want in life. Yes, indeed. So what's your management team look like? We're into, we're into scaling up, we're into traction, we're into those business type models. We probably do a little bit of a hybrid of that because we, because I don't know. I just, I, we, we do hybrid for some reason. So we do daily huddles. I am the CEO. I do have a, an operation like integrator type person that runs the operations. I, I focus on, let me show this. There's four problems in business. This is my belief. So four problems. Problem number one, do you have leads coming into your business? Do you have inbound leads coming to your business? That's the problem number one. Number two is, are you converting on those new leads in a new logo capacity? So are you getting a transaction started with a new logo? Number three, is are you executing from an operational perspective on what sales told them they were going to get above and beyond what are you operating? Are you executing? And then number four is if you are doing that, the number four is expansion. Do you have account managers that are coming in there and are taking that operational excellence and they're expanding on it to, again, make more money relationship because obviously the expansion sale is way cheaper than that new logo sale. So from marketing perspective, so those are the four problems in business. And I pretty much think any business can be solved if they focus on which problem is most problematic and let's make it happen. So in my business, I focus specifically on the marketing side and the new logo side. And then I've got other team members that are focused on the executing the operational excellence side of recruiting or training or fractional leadership, whatever product or service we're delivering on. And then I've got another 
expansion team that comes back in and obviously grows those accounts. So, okay. So, what do you feel is holding you back right now? Easy. Right now, my biggest problem is honestly marketing. So, my biggest problem is our conversions. Our conversion rate's really good. I feel like my team is orchestrated a great job of executing with excellence what we promised the customer. The problem, the customer, I would say nine times out of 10, the customer says, wow, if I would have known you guys did this, I would have signed up sooner. I'm like, come on, there's so much, I'm telling you so much. So we actually, we usually go above and beyond what, what people thought they were going to get. But so I would say the biggest problem is just that initial top of the funnel, just driving more inbound leads. The hardest thing for us that we struggle with, if anyone has a solution for this, let me know. And that is, we are on the fringes. So we are a paradigm shifting organization. So we, we are teaching things that honestly, people don't even realize they need. And so selling things people don't even realize they need. So it's problematic in that we have to do so much kind of education in that marketing funnel to help them open their, what I always say is marketing's job is to help them open their minds and their hearts. So when they get to sales, they can open their wallets. That's my goal. <laughs> so oh, sure. uh, I like that. Yeah, but marketing, that's a, but we're failing. We're not failing. We're not, no one's failing. We're failing in the sense that we're not, I would like for us to wait, wait to double or triple our amount of leads that we have that again are, that we've opened their hearts and minds so that sales can open their wallets for them. And we have failed to figure out how to do that at twice the speed or twice the amount that we have now. So that's what I'm trying to figure. That's my big problem. I, I literally obsess over 24 hours a day is how do I do that? You'll get it behind you one of these days when I talk to you in a year or two, I think. Jason, how can our uh, listeners get a hold of you? What's the best path to your InBasket? Sure. Just email me at jason at fpg.com. F is in forest, P is in performance, G is in group.com. Uh, you can also go to our website. We have plenty of free lead magnets on there. I call them lead magnets, what they are, but free gifts in the sense of we record webinars constantly. People can see all kinds of free resources. We give a lot of stuff away for free because again, I'm trying to, I, I just, I think Bill, I think there's a lot of bad sales advice out there that people are paying for. Yeah. And so we try to give away better advice that's free. Like I'm trying to counter that bad stuff that's out there for free. Uh, knowing that if you're serious about it, then we can help you hold it accountable. Cause it's not just about having a gym membership. It's also about making sure that you've got a trainer that can hold you accountable to follow through or consultants and systems and processes. And we can do all that for you. So Jason, what's a question or the one question that maybe I should have asked or thought of, it didn't, that would give huge value to our listening audience. And then, and then after you pose the question to yourself, give us the answer, please. Oh, I would say, so the one question would be, what would you say is the number one reason why people are not probably performing at their like desired outcome? That's like the question, right? Everyone always wants to know how in the world, what's the deal? Uh, I, I personally think it's not a circumstantial problem. I think it's an identity problem. So the, this is a, a much better, it's a much bigger podcast in itself here, but the, the reason why people don't live up to whatever they're trying to live up to is they haven't actually shifted their identity and started working on how to be excellent at that identity. So for example, let's say someone is a salesperson and they get promoted into sales management. They were a 10 out of 10 on a master for sales person and that identity was great. 
all of a sudden they shifted their identity and really no one kind of told them that, hey, what got you there as Marshall Goldsmith, the great coach says, what got you there will not get you here. What basically that means is like some of those resources that you had could transfer over to be a sales leader, but a lot of them really aren't. You're going from, you're going from like a kid to a father now, right? So like how many of those resources that made you a great kid are also going to make you a great father? Probably not very many. So you got to shift your identity now to be a dad. You have to shift your identity now to be a sales manager. And with that identity shift now requires like first, yes, I'm going to shift my identity. And then it requires really some kind of internal mental work, which we can help them with. That's one of my modalities, one of my certifications in, but it's how to actually like integrate those new like characteristics of that identity they need to absorb and how they need to like almost start back over again in that kind of career of their life. But I would say that's it. That's not just a manager thing, guys. That's a think about, think about you right now listening in, like in your, you're listening to this podcast and all of a sudden it's the end of the day and you're about to drive up to your house and you're a father or a mother. And you've been a, you've been a, a, a CEO all day, right? And if you take that CEO identity in as a father or a mother or a husband or a wife, that's not going to go so well, right? So you got to leave the CEO identity in the car and you've got to like anchor yourself when you walk through that door. I am now the world's greatest father. I am now the world's greatest mother. I'm now the world's greatest husband. And what are the characteristics that would make that true? And that's what you have to now become. So you have to be a chameleon a lot throughout the day. I love that. Change your hat. Change your hat. You got to do it. And it's very difficult to do, especially if people don't even know they need to do it. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it very much. Of course. Everybody, now in closing, let's focus on the single fact that our businesses don't become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first creating a visionary strategy, second, using a management system to execute that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Now, you can get your hands on the key to those three things by just going to getbillsgift.com. Thanks for listening, Jason. Thanks for sharing your time with us today.